0: There's one name, one name under heaven that people can be saved under the authority of that one name. That name is Jesus. So say it out loud. Jesus. Say it out loud. Jesus. That name, demons flee. They, they have to leave. The darkness has to depart. We assemble today in the name of Jesus. In the authority of his name, I say, Happy New Year. For the past two weeks, we have dealt with the worship of this person, this name, Jesus. So the definition for these three-part series, the definition of worship is something like this, to depress, to push down, to prostrate, to get down. To bow yourself, to crouch, to—my favorite is to just fall down. Worship. I want to worship Him. I came today specifically to worship Him. And I ask you a question, I've asked it a couple times in this series. Why did you come today? It's New Year's Day, why are you here? Have you ever thought about the idea that coming to church is an opportunity spiritually and to to fall down in front of him? To just, to take your life and just on purpose deliberately fall down in front of him and worship him. The reality is this. There was a King Herod, here's the story of man. The Christmas story reveals the the dilemma of all mankind. You have King Herod and you had the wise men. And they both in the Christmas story used the word worship. One is legitimate and one is illegitimate. It's the story of all mankind. The wise men traveled a great distance at great risk. To fall down in front of a baby. Because they knew his identity was not a baby. He's got a star. He's the newborn king of the Jews. The revelation of his identity drove the wise men to worship. It drove them to fall down. But there was a king already in Jerusalem named Herod. And when he got the revelation of the identity of this king of the Jews, he used the word worship. He said, go find the baby and tell me where he's at and I'll go worship him. And, and here's the story of all of mankind. Legitimate and illegitimate worship. Worshiping man's way or worshiping God's way. Worshiping legitimately or illegitimately in some kind of a false narrative. Today as we start New Year, 2023. I want this year to be a year in which I worship God like I have never worshipped God. I don't know what you want from this new year. That's it. I want to worship Him. And in studying the Scripture, one thing just shouts at me. It has to be His way. You can't worship Him your way. It has to be His way, Spirit and truth. Last week on Christmas Day, we talked about the details of how to worship God. Jesus reveals to this no-name Gentile Samaritan woman how to do it. It's where he says you, you have to worship in spirit and truth. Now, if you're a Gentile, that story ought to give you some great news. Because he wants the Gentiles to worship him. Today on New Year's Day, I want to continue that thought, why? Because the revelation of the true identity and purpose of God requires the church and individuals to respond. It's called worship, and you have to do it His way, and His way is spirit and it is truth. This kind of worship desires. Now, here's the foundation for everything today. True spirit and truth worship. Spirit and truth worship requires that you give up and you give in. It is the war. It's what Herod couldn't do. It's what the wise men did. They gave up and gave in. They gave up their, their homeland and traveled at great risk to bring a great treasure to a great king. But King Herod couldn't do it. He couldn't bring himself to give up and give in. Now here's the word I'm going to use to describe that today. It is surrender. You will never learn the word worship until you learn to understand the word surrender. This kind of worship, desires that we give up and give in, we worship through the surrender of ourself to God. The surrendering of ourself to God. Now, I've been thinking all week about some way to try to make that more visual. And I came up with this idea, so, so I want to use, I want to start with this. A million years ago when I was in the army, um, there was a, a training that I remember. Now, no no one in the army wants to train its soldiers how to surrender. In, in the army, you're taught how to to make them surrender, not you surrender. But I remember there was training about um, military rules of surrender. And military rules of surrender, um, they they have a simple premise. And it, and if and if we're at war and the enemy. Uh, is overwhelmed by force and the enemy comes and does this. It is our calling to give them quarter. Now, now listen carefully. We give them quarter. And that, what that means in the military is you, you don't harm them, you don't shoot them, you don't, you don't beat them, you give them quarter. You treat them fairly. Uh, as, a, as a combatant that has done something. This means they've surrendered. They have set themselves under your authority. They have put themselves under your authority. By doing this, they have put themselves under your authority, and your response is to give them quarter. Now, let's flip it over. Let's say that I'm the one that uh, needs to surrender. I'm using the military example again. And my commanding officer finds out that our unit is defeated, we're all going to die if we don't surrender. So our commanding officer tells my group, my company that, okay, I want you guys to surrender. We we hold our hands up. Now listen, the reality is this, if I were doing that in real life in a military environment, I would be doing it against my will. I don't want to surrender. But I surrender in that moment to save my life and the lives of my friends. But in that moment, I surrender with the idea that in the future, I'm going to unsurrender and find that way to get back my freedom. So my surrender is legitimate. I'm going to put my body under your authority, but I'm hoping one day soon to get it back. So there's this picture of this word called surrender. That's a physical, real life, physical example of a word surrender in a war-like condition. Now let's go Spiritual. Let's go over to the spiritual war. Let's go over to the the war that rages in the heavenly realms, this name Jesus and, and, and the world we live in today. You and I in the church age have been given a moment of opportunity. Someone preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to you and to me. And with the gospel of Jesus Christ came the Holy Spirit. So that I could understand the truth of the gospel. And the revelation of his true identity came to me. And I saw the spiritual war. And I saw God, and I saw Jesus, and I saw Satan. I see the spiritual war. And in that moment, listen carefully, in that, in that moment, in the spiritual war, God gave me a moment in time, a chance to where I was able to do this in front of him. He gave me a moment in which he said to me, if you will bow to me, I will give you quarter. I will bring you in. Now, here's the difference. When I make this spiritual surrender, I have no intention of ever coming back to retain my previous authority or my previous condition. No, 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 no. I have had the experience of his true identity. I don't want to come back. So, while I was reluctant to surrender in the worldly application, I am not reluctant to surrender in this one because I now know who he is and I know that life, eternal life is there with him and death is here with me. So we have these worldly and spiritual applications of a word called surrender. So I want you to get today as we go into this final session of we have come to worship Him. This kind of worship that I'm talking about today requires the death of self and the bowing of our lives to this king of the Jews. The very thing that King Herod could never bring himself to do, the very thing that the world we live in today will never do, is this, to Him. You cannot worship without this, to Him. It begins, all worship begins with this, toward Him, the submission of yourself. To his divine authority. It sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? When you stand up to an unbeliever and say that to live you must die, that to find freedom you must surrender. It sounds upside down, right? It says to die to yourself, to surrender so that we might live. The world says that's upside down. It doesn't make any sense. Well, so does the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, it says, the message of the cross. And I want you to look at that carefully. The message of the cross. The cross. What is cross? The cross is death. The message of death. Death. The message of you surrendering your life is foolishness to the world. The message of the cross is foolish to those, but, but those people are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it's the very power of God. The message of the cross is what? It is death to self. The message of the cross is surrender. It is death to myself, death to my self-centered life, death to self-worship. It is called surrender. After we have come to know the truth, the person of Christ, we must worship Him. And you cannot worship Him. You will never legitimately worship Him until you are willing to experience the death of self, until you are willing to surrender and bring your life under the control and the authority of Him who is greater than you. The revelation of His purpose. The revelation of his identity requires a response. It's called worship. And it's not me worship, but it's spirit and truth worship. It has to be his way. It can't be my way. There's a paragraph in the book of Ephesians. Paul's writing to the church that has a specific application. I want to use it kind of as a a template for us as a church as we move into 2023. Ephesians 5 verse 15. It's great counsel. New Year's counsel. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in this in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. Some some of y'all should have read that before last night. (laughs) Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's kind of summarize that text. Be careful how you live your life, foolishly or wise. So many people are living their lives, if you be honest, that you're just getting up and going through a series of motions. There's no real purpose, there's no real thought about what, why am I doing this? What's the purpose and the meaning? Paul tells the church, live life with purpose, like you're on a mission from God, because you are. Make the most of every day, understanding that these days are evil. So it's not going to be easy. We're in a spiritual war. But make the most of every day. Try Live with that kind of intentionality. Don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you do, to do. Now, here comes the breaking point in that text. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't just leave your life going through some kind of series of repetitive motions. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, here comes the point. How? Okay, I get it. How? Is, is he going to send me a text message every morning so that I know what I'm supposed to do today? How? You will never know what the Lord wants you to do. Listen, you will never know what the Lord wants you to do until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You can fill your life with many things. If you look at the celebrations around the world as 2023 comes in, people are trying to take everything and anything to try to find meaning in life and stuff it inside their life. You can take anything you want and try to fill your life. You can use drugs, alcohol, materialism, lust, sports, hobbies, whatever. But none of them will lead you to legitimate worship of God. Until you surrender yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit. Until you do this. None of these other things will lead you to know and understand what the Lord wants you to do. To live a life that actually is a life that worships God every day, not just Sundays. Remember last Sunday on Christmas Day, we talked about what Jesus told the Gentile Samaritan woman regarding worship and the Spirit. Worship and the Spirit. So let me go back and read that again, John 4, 21. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming. When it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain, that was Mount Gerizim in Samaria, or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. I love that part. It's here now. It's here now. When true worshipers, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those. I want you to right now today, right now today, this moment, the Father is looking into this room to see if there are people here who will worship Him in that way. Legitimate worshipers. Who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Verse 24, for God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The word, in that text, the word worship is used five times. I want to worship Him this year like never before. But how? The answer is in that same text. The word spirit is used three times. Three times He says spirit. The Spirit shows me how to worship God. The Spirit equips me with the power to worship God. The Spirit shows me how to live my life with purpose, with meaning. And if I live my life with purpose and meaning under the authority of the Spirit, I'm already worshiping God. The Spirit reveals the truth, and the truth is the only way for man to truly ever worship God. Jesus says this in John 16. When the Spirit of truth comes... Now, now, when Jesus says this, he, he knows there's a future time in the church age when he's going to go, and he's going to literally be at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But he's going to send the Holy Spirit to the earth. So, he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So, here comes the power. When he comes, he, 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 he will guide you into all truth. He will not, the Spirit that I'm going to send, he will not speak on his own. He's not independent, but he will tell you what he has heard. So we've got this messenger from God, the Spirit, coming down here to tell us what Jesus at the right hand of the Father wants me to do to legitimately worship him. He will tell you about the future. Ooh, that's big. He will bring me glory Jesus is saying, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus said. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. We cannot worship God without the Spirit. We cannot worship God without the Spirit of truth. It is the Spirit that gives us power And desire, power and desire to worship. The Apostle Paul reveals the same truth to the church. In fact, I I always quote in my mind this verse. In Philippians 2.13, it says, For God is working in you to do two things. Church, I hope this applies to everybody in this room. For God is working in you, giving you two things. Number one, the desire, and number two, the power to do that which is pleasing to him. You know what that is? That's worship. It is the spirit working in me that gives me the the beginning, which is the desire to do what he wants me to do, and then the power to do it after I get the desire to do it. We are filled with the spirit. How? How? Here comes the problem, by surrendering ourselves. This is what the world will never understand apart from the Holy Spirit. This is what, I'm going to tell you, the church struggles. The church wants to worship without surrender. The church wants the Holy Spirit without the denial of self. That's worshiping your way, it doesn't work. It will never work. We can only be filled after we have become empty of self. Anybody listening? You cannot be filled with the Spirit until you are emptied of self. And you know what emptied of self looks like? This. I submit my life to your authority with no intentions of coming back to regain control. A surrender. It's the idea of being born again. It's the idea of being born again. You've died. The filling of the Spirit, listen carefully, it is not a once and a lifetime event. I'm going to be careful how I say that. Even though it begins with being born again of the water and the spirit. That's how Jesus Jesus describes being born again by the water and the spirit. It begins there. The filling of the spirit after that needs to become a daily reality. A daily reality. Why? Because the spirit war is real. The spirit war doesn't end when you... When, you come to, when you're born again back in 1986, the spirit war doesn't end in, in 1986. You're going to wake up the next day, and you're still going to be in the spirit war. And, and how are you going to deal with the spirit war? It's real. Each day, we must surrender ourselves to Christ to find power in the spirit war for that day. My daily surrender, here's how I look at it. My daily surrender opens the door to my daily feeling of the spirit. I want to make this clear. My daily surrender, my daily this, opens a spiritual door inside of my heart for my daily filling of the Holy Spirit, which opens up the only chance for my life to live as an act of worship. Surrender opens the Spirit. The Spirit opens my ability to worship. Surrender is worship. That surrender is daily. In in Luke chapter 9. Then he said to the crowd, this is Jesus speaking. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. That's this, okay? Okay. We're to surrender Fit. If any of you, so church, let's just act like he's talking to us today because quite frankly he is. If any of you in the group today, you want to be his disciple, you must turn from your selfish ways. You must begin this relationship by raising your hands and say, I surrender to you. You must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross. There's the death of self. And then he puts in the word daily. Why daily? Why, why do I need to, why did he say daily? Can't I just do it once? When the spirit war is over, you can stop doing that. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. So that means every day I, I got to get up and, you mean I got to get up and surrender every day? Yes. Yes. If you try to hang on to your life, what does it mean try to hang on to your life? Well, can't I just surrender on Sundays? I mean, it's a big day. If you try to hang on to your life, why why do you not want to surrender on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Why? If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. What is the reluctance to surrender every day? I'm going to try to hang on to my life. You will lose your life. Do you see it? If any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you give up your life, here's the surrender. If you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and you yourself are lost and you're destroyed? You lose your soul. But I didn't surrender. To be filled with the Spirit, I must be emptied of self. Self Self-worship. Surrender. Now, Now, here's an important point. At this stage of the discussion, you need to understand that this surrender is voluntary. You don't have to. Not yet. It's voluntary. You will never be able to truly worship God when your life is all about you. And quite frankly, the American culture has presented a group, a generation, generational it's all about me environment. You will never be able to truly worship in an all about me environment. Because quite frankly, it's the opposite. It's all about him environment. This is where we started this morning. God calls us to give up and give in and surrender our life of worship. Not forced, but voluntary, at least for now. I've said on numerous occasions that i began praying, uh, I don't know what year it was. I started praying Romans chapter 12 a long time ago. And, and because I came to this conclusion, what I'm trying to communicate today, I, I concluded in my own life that... Um, I have to begin every day with an emptying of myself so that I might receive a filling of Him. So every day, somewhere in the morning, I pray Romans 12. So Romans 12 verse 1, I'm just going to kind of do it in my—I've got a bunch of ways I do it. You don't have to do it just like word by word. I've got like 10 ways I do the same thing. So therefore, in view of God's mercy, in response to God's mercy—so here's my morning. Here's my morning. Lord, in view of your mercy, I offer my body as a living sacrifice. So today I received this breath of life. I woke up this morning. You restored my soul within me. I'm alive. I'm awake. If it's all the same to you, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to give it back. You gave it to me and I'm going to give it back to you. In response to you, I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Not because I'm holy and acceptable, but because you are and you live in me. I don't want to conform any longer. This is my act of worship. By the way, that's important. This is my act of worship. What's my act of worship? That I woke up this morning and I did this. Anybody see it? I woke up this morning and I did this. I relinquished control of my life today to Him. I woke up this morning and I did this. I surrendered. This is my act of worship. I don't want to conform any longer to the patterns of this world, because I know that they lead to death. But I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, by the presence of your spirit. And then, and only then, will I be able to test and approve and know your good and perfect and pleasing will. How did that begin? A surrender. Every day. Today I join the Apostle Paul in saying to you what he said to the Roman church. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of what he has done for you. Give your bodies to God. Present your body as a living sacrifice. God is a spirit. The Holy Spirit needs a temple, a tabernacle, a tent to live and operate through. That's what he wants to live and operate inside of a tent, a host. He wants you to host him. He wants you to host him. You will not host Him until you surrender because that means you've got two hosts. You're in charge. Move out and let Him come in to be in charge. Surrender. I plead with you like the Apostle Paul to become true Spirit-filled worshipers in 2023 by offering Him a sacrifice, a living one. Not a dead one. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Look, isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? You don't have to get up on the altar to die, literally. You have to die spiritually, but not literally. Why? Because He wants to put life in you and give you an abundant life that worships Him. I pray this prayer every morning. Do you know why? I want to know God's perfect will for that day. I'm selfish in that regard. There's a selfish motive to that. I want to know, I pray that prayer every day, and and here's, I've told people in ministry for years, I have been over my head in this job for 23 years now. So I don't have any trouble telling anybody. I've never been to Bible college, I never went to seminary, I I am the most least likely preacher you have ever met in your life. So. I don't most of the time know what to do. Shock some of you? I don't know what to do. Most of the time, I don't know what to do. But he does. But he does. So I want to know what he's got planned today. And here's the most beautiful part. Took me years to figure this out. It takes the pressure off of me to know that it's his job. To instruct me today's mission it takes the pressure off me I don't trust my flesh I don't trust my own heart I don't trust my feelings I'm gonna tell you in the last few weeks what our family has gone through I buried my brother this week my feelings are sometimes up here my feelings are down here I don't trust my feelings. There's nothing about my emotions that I want to hang anything on. I trust the Holy Spirit. I think He's all-powerful. And that He can do things inside of me that I don't even know He's doing it. That He can create an environment around me that I don't even know how He does it. But He does. And He says, when you offer your body as a living sacrifice, why does it... What's the problem with living sacrifices? Some of you know, they crawl off the altar. So you offer your body as, why do you got to do it daily? Because living sacrifices, unlike dead sacrifices, they don't stay on the altar. They want to crawl back off. So I must do it each day. This is truly the only way to worship him. And live a life that's pleasing to Him. So, if I asked you a crazy question today, 2023, do you want an abundant life? Do you want to live life with purpose and meaning this year? Do you know what the number one, number one most asked question to me as the pastor of this church in the last 23 years? Number one. Far outreaches every other question. How can I know God's will for my life? That's it. You know what my answer is? Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's it. Are you, do you want to know the answer? Do you really want to know? Everybody give me a minute. I'm going to blow my nose. <laughs> Holy Spirit told me blow your nose. And I feel better too. (laughs) You see, the problem with Romans 1 and uh, Romans 12 is this. Then you will know God's good and pleasing and perfect will. But the reality is, before you knew it, you had to surrender. Preacher, can't I know his will without surrender? No, you won't. That's your way. I turned 66 this past year. I don't know how many more trips around the sun I'm going to get, so I've committed every day of 2023 to worshiping the sun by surrendering myself to him each day. You know what? I don't have some giant plan. If you come meet with the staff, you know what we don't have? We don't have some great big 10, 20-year plan. We don't. You know what we have? we wake up and we pray with surrendered lives for the head of this church Jesus Christ to direct us according to his will that's the plan but i ask you this here we're going to turn a corner what's at stake and what's at risk what's at stake and what's at risk you've heard me in the past if you've been here very long you've heard me talk about the great reversal it's a it's a phrase I read in one of those uh, real loose translations years ago, it really gave me a new perspective about what God's planning in the future, this whole great reversal. It's the day that the first are going to be last, and the last are going to be first. Jesus talks about that day. Today, I'm going to add the great reversal, add to the great reversal a second picture, the great exchange. And I'm going to tell you that in the future both of these events are coming. There is a great reversal and a great exchange coming. This past week, shoppers everywhere have been experiencing a great exchange. It's going back to Walmart. I am not referring to that one, but the one I'm talking about is far greater. Before I get into the details of the great exchange, let me remind you about the great reversal that's coming. That's the day in the future when everything's going to be turned upside down and inside out. And everybody who's on the top is going to go to the bottom. And everybody who's on the bottom is going to go to the top. And he's announced it. And those who've loved the world, they love the world. And the world climbers got to the top only to find out that on the last day he turns it all over. Here's the culmination of that great reversal. Revelation 21 verse 5. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Here here it is. This is the great reversal. I'm going to make every, he's going to create a new order. A new social justice system. I'm going to make everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of the water of life. And all who are victorious. Now here comes the the kind of a a military or a war, the spiritual war. All those who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. He's going to make everything new, create a new system. All who are victorious are going to inherit all these blessings and, and ultimately, and I will be their God, and here it comes, I love, and, and they will be my children. But the cowards, the unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral. Those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all their liars, all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. That last verse describes the people that lived their lives refusing to do this. They wouldn't do it. And what's the list? Cowards. And somebody would say cowards, and they think, "Whoa, that's an interesting." Cowards are going to be thrown to hell. Cowards? Why? Why? Why would it be a coward? Because you're afraid to let go. You're afraid to let go. You're a coward because you're afraid to let go. This is letting go. So you think you can retain control of your life and save your life, knowing that you're dying. It's foolishness. So these, these people, are, 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 they refuse to surrender. So because they never surrendered, they never worshiped. So they never submitted to God's royal son. Instead, they worshiped the God of this world that had led them to a delusional self-worship that leads to death and eternal separation from God in hell. These are the ones that live their life on top. They live their life in the world on top of the pile only to find that God's going to make the pile turn upside down on the last day. The great reversal. These are the ones that refused to surrender to God. Thus they lived in open rebellion to the giver of life. These are the ones that refused to die to themselves so they could be filled with the Spirit so they could worship the giver of life. In this refusal, they actually pretended to be gods. Do you know that? Do you understand? When you refuse to surrender, you actually are pretending, you're living this delusion that you're some kind of a god unto yourself. It is a delusional form of self-worship. The great reversal will come when the one true God renders judgment upon those who refuse to worship Him in spirit and in truth. The great white throne judgment known as the second death. So listen carefully. The great reversal's coming. I don't know when, but I know it's coming. When God's going to take everything and He's going to turn it over. And those who humbled themselves by surrendering, they will be exalted. And those who exalted themselves by refusing to surrender. They will be humbled. He will turn it over. It's coming. That leads me to the big point today. Really, it's the point of all three of the series. It's called the great exchange. It's the reason we come today in worship. God's love and God's mercy has made a great exchange available to each of us today. I'd like to describe it to you as a trade of sorts, a spiritual trade. I mentioned earlier that I must be emptied of self in order to be filled with the Spirit. The great exchange is this transaction. I must be emptied of self to be filled with the Spirit. I must die to self in order that I might live for Him. This is my spiritual act of worship. Now, This is voluntary. As of now, as of today, this is a voluntary act of my will. This is a voluntary surrender. As of this moment, it is not a forced surrender. Not yet. As of today, it's a voluntary window of opportunity to surrender. This is the great exchange. Here it comes. My life for his life and his life for mine. This is it. Do you understand what this brings? Do you understand that I'm not just raising my hands to acknowledge that he is divine and almighty, even though he is. I'm raising my hands because he's offered a great exchange to me. I'm raising my hands to receive it. Oh my, do you see this? I'm raising my hands because I want to receive that which He has offered me, my life for His and His life for mine. Yes, I'd like that. Yes, I'd, I'd like that. After coming to the knowledge of Christ through the gospel, after coming to the revelation of His true identity and purpose, He is the King of all kings, I must respond the revelation of his identity requires a response it requires worship but I don't know how to worship until I surrender because until I surrender I don't have the spirit without the spirit I don't know how to do anything his life for mine my life for his it's called worship it's called faith it's not forced not yet I must come to the altar. I must come to the cross of Christ and die to self that I might live for him. It's called the great exchange. I die to myself so that I might live for him. You and I must realize that we are all flesh. All of us, we're all flesh. And here's the bad news flesh doesn't get any better, it gets worse. It does, it gets worse. Some I mean, of you shaking your heads. You know, you get all snotty and you can't get better. Flesh, it doesn't get better. It just keeps getting worse. The flesh always leads to the same place. And we live in this delusional state to where we don't want to acknowledge the flesh always leads to death today. God's great love has offered humanity a great exchange. Jesus' death to replace my death. And I say, yes, Lord. Jesus' death to replace Terry's death. Yes, Lord. This is the great exchange. Jesus offers to take our place, and He would receive the penalty and punishment for our sins. What? He's actually made you and I an offer that he would would take my punishment, the penalty of my sin. This is the great exchange. This is how Isaiah describes it 700 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 53. Yet it is our weakness he carried the great exchange. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, the great exchange. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, the great exchange. He was crushed for our sins, the great exchange. He was beaten so we could be whole, the great exchange. He was whipped so we could be healed. The great exchange. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on Him the sins of us all. The great exchange. Yes, Lord. The revelation of his identity requires a response. You don't have to accept it. I'm looking at the church and I'm telling you, you don't have to. His sacrifice for your sin, you don't have to accept it. You do not have to do this. Not yet. Not yet. You will one day. But today he offers it to you. You don't have to accept it, the great exchange, His death for your life, but He offers it to you. Surrender is voluntary for today, at least for a little while longer. Jesus didn't come and die on a cross. Listen, Jesus didn't come and die on a cross to make us better people. Jesus died on the cross to make us the children of God. That's much different than being better people. Children of God that live their lives for a single purpose. To bring glory to the Father. And when the Holy Spirit comes into you in power and authority, you will live your life under His power and authority, giving glory to the Father. Because you're His child. And Jesus says this. This is a foundation verse for me in my life. John 17. Jesus said, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I've often prayed, Lord, I pray that this is my life. That I brought glory to you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Church. Do you realize we're on a mission of God? To preach the gospel to the whole world? We will never have the power to complete that mission and bring glory to God while we live in the power of the flesh. We must be filled with the Spirit. The Great Commission is clear, and our only hope to complete the mission is He is with us. The Spirit is in us. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. How? Teach them, these new disciples, to obey all the commands I've given you. How? That sounds like a big task. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is the spirit of truth. He is the power of the church in the last days. We can only make disciples if we have Christ in us. We can only baptize people into a new life if we have Christ in us. I went and looked the other day. We baptized 86 people this past year at this church. Why? How? Because Christ is in us. And I will be with you even to the end of the age. We can only teach them to obey the truth if we have Christ in us. And if we don't have Christ in us, we're just as lost as the rest of the world. Without Christ, we're just another King Herod refusing to bow bow down to the king of the Jews. Jesus came to take our place. It's called the great exchange. Can you think of a better reason to worship him? He's not going to force you, at least not for now. He came to give us new life, exchanging physical death for eternal life. Our response is worship. In John 5, what's at stake? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Now, here comes my wrap-up. Jesus meets a woman at the well and tells her that the time has arrived. It's here now to worship God, to approach God in a certain way, spirit and truth. The where, it doesn't matter. I tell you today, you don't have to go to Jerusalem. You don't have to be baptized in the Jordan River. I'm planning to take a group back to Jerusalem, back to Israel in June. I've got nine openings, by the way. If anybody wants to get on the list, you still got some time. Right now, there are 36 of us signed up to go to Israel in June. But i got to tell you this. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. The where doesn't matter. But the how matters a lot. Spirit and in truth. You must surrender to Him. And he will take your place and carry your sin burden. Surrender to him and he will take up residence in your temple. Surrender to him and he will live inside of your body. And he will assume control of your life as you surrender to him day by day. The spirit of Christ in me, it's life in me. I have crossed over from death to life. This truth is Jesus, the Word in me. And the Word has revealed the identity and purpose to the church. This truth is the Word of God, and Jesus is the Word of God. The Word of God has revealed to each of us today that I must surrender and empty myself of myself in order to be filled with the Spirit so that I might experience worship. The great reversal is coming. I remember there's a verse that stuck with me from that first John series we did last year where it says, John says, do not love this world or anything of this world because if you love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. The great reversal is coming, and those who love this world, that top is going to the bottom. Today." The offer of the great exchange remains for those who will accept the offer of God, the offer of life, but you must surrender before He comes for you. Who wouldn't take this offer? When I preach these sermons, I say, who wouldn't take this offer? You know, I believe that if you believed you were lost and Jesus had the power to save you, I believe you'd believe in Jesus. They're called unbelievers. My challenge for the church at Nineveh in 2023 is four verses. Seven things. I'm not going to go into detail on them. I'm just going to read them out loud. It's from Ephesians 5.15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. I send you out of here today with seven challenges for this new year, all from the Word of God. Number one, be careful how you live. Don't live aimlessly but with purpose because you're running out of days, even if you don't know it. Number two, don't live like a fool, thinking you have much time and there are no consequences for your choices. Do not live like a fool. Number three, live like those wise men that came from the East in worship of the one that you are going to meet very soon. Number four, make the most of every Holy Spirit led opportunity each day. Yes, even in the midst of expanding evil, live in holiness. Number five, don't act thoughtlessly. But surrender yourself each day on the altar so you might know God's will for you in that day. Number six, don't be drunk with wine or the pleasures of this temporary life. They will ruin your life forever. And finally, number seven, which wraps all the other six inside of it, be filled with the Holy Spirit and live your life to please God. The revelation of his identity And purpose requires a response I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation you remember when I started today I gave you this military example that the military trains you that if somebody in military war comes and they raise their hand and even though they've been the enemy and even though that you've been trying to kill them and they've been trying to kill you when they raise their hand you must give them quarter the war stops You give them quarter. Now here's the closing. We're in a spiritual war. And as of this moment, if you'll raise your hand in front of this God, he will give you quarter. There is a day coming. If you continue to raise your hands to him and surrender, you will meet this king. And he will not give you quarter. He will not. Do you understand what's at risk? As of today, he's offered the great exchange. As of today, he offers the great exchange. My life for his. His life for mine. But the Bible is clear that there are many who refuse to bow their knee to him. They refuse to acknowledge his true identity. Thus, they never surrender and they never worship him. And they become his enemy. They become his enemy. And on the last day, he's gonna say, depart from me, I don't know you. You're not gonna get, they're gonna bow then. On that day, every knee's gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but they will not receive quarter. They will not receive refuge. They will not enter the kingdom. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You will not get quarter. And somebody told you. And somebody told you. And somebody told you. And you still wouldn't raise your hand to him. And you still would not bend your knee to him. And you still live this delusion that you can save yourself. But you can't. So today there's a great exchange. His life for yours. Now listen, if you've been redeemed and you're a child of God, then celebrate. Celebrate. Don't walk around like you've gone to a funeral. Celebrate. We sing a song, we rejoice in this great salvation. But today, if you have not been born again of the water and the Spirit, he offers you life. He offers you a great exchange, his life for yours. If you walk out that door today, it's on you. It's on you. Somebody told you. Invitations open, let's stand.